Shabbat shalom. We don't laugh enough. That's what I think. I'm convinced that part of our problem as individuals and as a global community is that we just don't laugh enough. Religion, too, is often excessively somber. If we were not so humorless, if we were not so devoid of levity, our personal lives and the world would look a lot better. We would be happier and more fulfilled. There would be less anger in our lives and less war and less cruelty in the world. This week's Torah portion describes the birth of Isaac. The very name Isaac, Yitzchak, in Hebrew, means laughter. When Abraham was 99 years old, God appeared to him and said, I promised you that you would be the father of multitudes. Therefore, your wife, Sarah, shall bear a son. Rulers shall emerge from her. Now, Abraham could have responded in dozens of ways to this news. He could have sunk to his knees in gratitude to God, who would grant his childless, soon-to-be, 90-year-old wife a child. He could have taken a moment of personal reflection. He could have written a song. He could have cleared a room in the tent. He could have taken Sarah out to a celebratory meal of goat-stuffed camel with all of the trimmings. The dietary laws had not been given yet. Camel was not yet unkosher. But what did Abraham do upon hearing the news? Vaipol Avraham al Panav va Yitzchak. And Abraham fell on his face and laughed. You can envision him rolling on the floor with breathless delight. Can a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? And can Sarah bear a child at 90? The very thought is enough to send Abraham into a riotous tizzy. He's rolling on the floor. Soon thereafter, three messengers visit Abraham and Sarah in the tent. They tell Abraham, your wife, Sarah, will soon bear a son. Sarah was listening by the entrance to the tent. When she heard the prophecy, she could have responded in dozens of ways. She could have sunk to her knees in gratitude. She could have taken a moment of personal reflection. She could have written a song. She could have cleared the room, a room in the tent. She could have taken her husband out for a celebratory meal of goat-stuffed camel with all of the trimmings. The dietary laws had not yet been revealed on Sinai. Camel was not yet unkosher. But what did Sarah do upon hearing the news? The Bible tells us, Vatitzchak Sarah Bekirba. And Sarah laughed to herself. How could two withered people have a baby, she chuckled. You can envision her giggling under her breath, amused by the very absurdity, muttering to herself something like, 
having a baby at the age of 90 after everything I've been through, you've got to be kidding. Sure enough, when the baby arrives nine months later, he is named Yitzchak, which means something like, you've got to be kidding. <laughs> From the beginning, the Bible urges us to laugh more than we do. Laughing is a blessing from the heavens. There are often dozens of responses that we can and do have to the vagaries of life, the apparent needless suffering, the cruelties and disappointments that affect all of us. The Bible emphasized that one's response to life struggle should be from time to time to laugh. Laugh at the absurdity of it all. The name of one of our founding fathers is, you got to be kidding me. Abraham was lured into embarking on this new enterprise with the promise of becoming the father of a great nation. And the years fly by. He's 100 years old by now. And his wife is 90. And they do not have a child. Is there anything crueler than that to have your entire life's ambition rendered impotent because the God whom you believed in and abandoned everything for broke his word? As the Yiddish proverb goes, man plants and God laughs. Laughter is courage. It takes courage to laugh at yourself. Laughter is our way of reminding ourselves and others that we are not so high and mighty as we think we are. We are like every other living creature, frail and mortal, trying to eke out a living in a harsh climate. Anxiety so often seems the source of every action and every moment of our lives. Sometimes, life itself seems like a cosmic joke. Shakespeare, as usual, put it best. At first, the infant puking in the nurse's arms, and then the whining schoolboy, and then the lover sighing like a furnace, then a soldier full of strange oaths, sudden and quick and quarrel, and then the justice in fair round belly, and then the lean and slippered pantaloon with spectacles on nose and pouch on side. And last scene of all that ends this strange eventful history is second childishness and mere oblivion. Sans teeth, sans eyes, sans taste, sans everything. We cannot apprehend the world we cannot comprehend the world. Intelligence does not assist us. In fact, if anything, the human brain is the cause of our demoralization. We know that the world is absurd. Our human intelligence tells us so. Our very capacity for reason leads us to the conclusion that life is unreasonable, incomprehensible, unfair, chaotic, and seemingly without rhyme or reason. The ant 
lives its entire life on the anthill, which serves as the entire universe for the ant colony. To the ant, the irreconcilability of life is irrelevant. But we know differently. We're thinking creatures. And it is our intellects that cause in us melancholy. Reason itself sets us in opposition to life. And thus, you know, I have to remember every year at this time on Friday night at 6.30, they have fireworks behind me here. <laughs> and we said last time, you know, on this Shabbat, we'll push the sermon later. One of the classic 20th century treatises written by Albert Camus, entitled The Myth of Sisyphus, was devoted to one central thesis. If the world is so absurd, why not kill ourselves now? Why prolong the agony? It's so French. <laughs> Our lives are Sisyphean, wrote Camus. We seem to accomplish nothing, condemned to pushing a boulder up the hill only to watch it roll down again and to repeat this time after time, over and over again, until we are sans teeth, sans eyes, sans taste, sans everything. The Jews also recognized this existential challenge. It wasn't invented by Camus in the 20th century. Our response was first to devote our lives to repair, Social progress is meaningful in its own right. And Jews continued to laugh at the existential challenges of life. You've got to be kidding, we muttered, and confronted life with as much joy as we could muster. We are commanded in our tradition to rejoice, to find that place of joy. For to miss joy is to miss all. Every year we read Ah, well, the Jews are on the verge of annihilation, and the wicked Haman came within a hairbreadth of genocide. And every year, our response is the same, to shriek with delight, joy, and laughter, and to cry out loud, you've got to be kidding, and then we get drunk. <laughs> Even God laughs, according to our tradition. The Talmud teaches that God schedules a set time during the day to play, and to laugh, to laugh is to affirm life. Melancholy is a retreat from life. The embrace of life is laughter with all of its cruelties and with all of its absurdities. Laughter heralds hope. It makes the deserts of life greener and its thorns less prickly. Laughter allows for perspective. It leads to wisdom. It is medicine for loneliness and vulnerability. Laughter reminds us of our own smallness that should lead us to value all of the things we take for granted. Simply to be is a joy. Laughter is a sign of resilience. It means we're fighting back. We Jews laugh even in the face of death. When Moshe was dying in the hospital, he had only one request, his favorite meal, the chopped liver of his wife, Sadie. 
When Sadie heard her husband's dying wish, she responded, you can't have that, it'll kill you. <laughs> Moshe retorted, I'm gonna die anyway. It's not gonna make a difference. Let me have some of that chopped liver. His wife responded, you can't have any. The chopped liver is for the Shiva. We could use more laughter in the world. It breaks down walls and barriers. It dilutes resentments. It lifts our internal burdens and social coercions. Laughter is the doorway to freedom. Have you ever noticed that the tyrants of the world seem uniquely devoid of a sense of humor? A little mouse of levity creeps into their fortresses and sends them scurrying like frightened schoolchildren. Can you even imagine the enfant dictator of North Korea cracking jokes with his advisors? The very thought is a joke. Or the Ayatollah telling the one about the rabbi, the priest, and the imam who walk into a bar? <laughs> Live your life with gaiety. There's a time for everything under the heavens. There is a time for weeping, a time for mourning, a time for frustration and somberness. But our lives should be lived with joy. And sometimes a good response is just to fall on the floor and laugh or to mutter to ourselves, you've got to be kidding me. To laugh and to make others laugh is the gladness of the world and will be rewarded in days to come. The Talmud tells of a great sage who met Elijah the prophet one day in the village market, the rabbi asked Elijah whether there's anyone here amongst the hundreds of people in the market who would merit olam haba, eternal favor in the next world. Elijah pointed to two men. These two men, he said, would merit eternal favor in the next world, olam haba. The rabbi approached these men and wanted to know what they did in life. He asked, what is their vocation? They told him that they were jesters jokesters, clowns, who entertain people. When we see people depressed, we cheer them up, they said. When we see two people quarreling, we strive to make peace between them. Of all the people in the market, more than the scholars, the thinkers, the politicians, the teachers, the vendors, more than anyone else, it was the comedians whose future was rewarded with everlasting life. They cheered people up, and in so doing, they made peace between human beings.